podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, my name is Miles Jupp and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95 mile an hour bowling, England playing World Cup winning Northumberland hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen agog, giggle excitedly and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Whistleblowers podcast. We haven't been here for a bit. It's been like 10 days or something. Not sure why that is. Admin problems. Don't ask me. Uh, I'm your host, Mark Smith. I'm here as ever with Martin Gritton. Martin, hello. Great to be here, Smite. It's lovely to hear your voice again. All right, let's not start, you know. Does that sound insincere? Sarcastic. It, it kind of does. It that genuinely, that was sincere. It's the best I, you I, can I, do, I've, yeah, so I've lost I've genuinely, but uh, move on. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even ask you anything. <laughs> That's what I mean. Please. I'm also here. Shut up, then. I'm also here with Gareth Dobson. Hello, Gareth. Hi. Just back from my warm weather training camp in my back garden. <laughs> How did it go? It was great. You know, the lads had a great time. No one got into trouble, and uh, really feel refreshed for the rest of the season. Oh man, well it's winding to a to a close now, isn't it? And uh, yeah. that's that's what we're going to talk about today, really, because most things now, most narratives, most storylines have sort of found their natural conclusion. Everyone's been relegated. Well, not everyone, but everyone that could be relegated has been relegated. Um, a few more stories, I think, are still there. Obviously, Man City are, are pretty much about to wrap it up, but top four is still an issue, and uh, that sort of brings us quite nicely to the first team I want to talk about today, and that's Leicester City. Now, we said a few weeks ago, Gareth, that we thought Leicester may well drop out of the top four. Gritz was adamant that they wouldn't. Where are you standing on it now, given their last few results, particularly the Newcastle at home game in which they just capitulated, and given that, that, that at time of recording, we're, we're an hour away or so from United playing against Leicester uh, with a youth team. So what, where do you stand on this? Are Leicester going to do it? Are they, are they going to bottle it? What's happening? I, I do think and it's tough because of the recording time, but this game feels utterly pivotal, uh, Leicester Man United. And I, I, I do think if Leicester, say, romp to a 3-0 win, there, there's going to be some sort of furore because Leicester are fully teetering on the brink. And I don't want to fall back into the obvious cliches, but I can't believe that a Brendan Rodgers team is about to fall at the final hurdle. <laughs> utterly shocking. Um, but I, I, I do think I can see Liverpool... Just coming up, you know, from the rear. Brendan is definitely looking over his shoulder. And there's a little glint, little glint in the rearview mirror. What's that? And then suddenly, you know, this big red Ferrari is just cruising past him with Jurgen just sort of smiling happily with that massive, you know, big toothy grin of his as he, you know, once again Brendan's, uh, uh, you know, ruined by uh, by his time uh, with uh, with the Anfield crew. Yeah, grits. Um... 
once people like us are talking about Leicester potentially collapsing a couple of weeks ago, and once the the rest of the football media are doing it, how much does it play on a player's mind? Do they do they look at these things? Does it, is it is it in the back of their mind and then brought very quickly to the front of it? And does it affect you as a player, or is it something you can pretty easily shrug off? Uh, they've got a lot of distractions at the minute. FA Cup final, massive. I mean, against Huge. Chelsea, against and they've got two games against Chelsea. They've got Chelsea three days later in the league. Which mm. I think, as Gareth Gareth says, today's pivotal. I don't think it is after seeing United's team because I think Leicester should cruise to the three points there. I just think that, um, but, but that on its own, that, that's on its own makes it makes it hard, though, doesn't it? Because now there's expectation, whereas before no. it'd be a free hit at Old Trafford. No, they're much better than the team that Man United. It, it's not just about uh, psychology. This is like physic. They are a much better side. I mean, that, I will go out on a limb and say they will not lose this game today against my right? But if you, I mean, I don't know how you can look, they've got three games left and they're six points ahead. So if they get this game, uh, if they win today, then it's largely almost impossible for, uh, am I, am I way off here? Because I think Liverpool, yeah, Liverpool haven't got, they're five Liverpool. points clear of, of uh, West Ham. Yeah, but the, yeah, but, uh, West but they're Ham only six done. points off. They're six points off Liverpool, but Liverpool got game in hand, so potentially only three points. Okay, but they would have to drop six yeah. points. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, listen, the maths wasn't my strong point. Still believe <laughs> no, it or not. Um, that. All, all, all I'm going to say is that I, I think I mean Spurs by the end of the season. That, that's that's a real interesting one because that that's a swing match, isn't it? That could potentially be a swing match. Um, Liverpool sneak in. I mean, if, if Leicester won the FA Cup and didn't win the Champions League with their fans, probably take that. Um, I suspect they might because it's just such a big thing. But um, but yeah, I, I, it would be an absolute gut punch uh, to miss out this good. I can't see yeah. West Ham. I can't see West Ham getting the momentum. Those players that they're missing out on um, that you know erased uh, Antonio's comeback, but you just don't. You know, it's difficult for yeah. him to maintain that intensity. Susex kind of, you know, not been free since Rice has been injured. So they've, they've kind of missed those guys massively. Yeah, it feels like the momentum's gone a little bit for West uh, West Ham. Um, I think what's upsetting for me watching Leicester is, you know, a few weeks ago when it was all about the European Super League, we were all talking about how it's not really fair. Obviously, it's not fair for these clubs to be protected by this no relegation closed league system. And teams like Leicester weren't able to get in. Now, Leicester have been one of those teams who have been absolutely the, the the perfect example of how a disruptor would would change a club's fortunes, right? They come in and change the status quo and give you an opportunity to, to get to that next level. And it just felt like that it's been an opportunity now for two seasons, maybe three seasons, for Leicester to cement themselves in that top four and to really fly in the face of any of that European Super League stuff. But every time this happens, and we get to this stage of the season, they fall apart and show actually that maybe they don't have that strength and depth that they need. It, but is it... Is it strength in depth or is it mentality? Uh, Gareth, do you think that Leicester's recruitment, as good as it's been, just hasn't been bolstered enough? Yeah, they're one of those teams that they have, in every position they have a good player, but the moment that there's an injury suspension or any period out, you can see you know, the drop-off is is quite substantial and you know, that that's not a criticism. That's just the the nature of yeah. That's just what it is. A mega team, um, and then the, the question is going to be you know in the coming seasons whether they can a find the right players who are affordable to bolster the squad and also you know I guess there's a different thing. If someone says oh you're going to lift when you're competing for a place 
there's two quality players in each position. Mm-hmm. I guess players accept that maybe you know the wages are bigger, the potential for glory is perceived as bigger. Is it harder for Leicester to say, we think you're a brilliant centre-back, but you might only be third or fourth choice for you know every other game? Um, so that probably poses its own question, uh, you know, questions or, or issues to work through. But they're going the right way. I mean, it might just be that they're only a year or so from you know solidifying, but it feels like it's going to yeah. be a key kind of you know uh, off season. And you know, the question of how do you take it forward is such a huge one, and is a really difficult question. But Grits, if if Leicester can't get top four in a season where they've been largely very good and where no one else has really, apart from Man City, no one else has really been anything special. I mean, Chelsea had Lampard for the first half of the season, and that wasn't going great. Liverpool obviously fell off a cliff. Spurs have been a mess. If not now for the top four for Leicester, then when? Well, interestingly, you talk about the refresh on players. I mean, I can't see I can't see a problem for Leicester strengthening wisely and then still maintaining a... a, a a bid next year because if you look at it Vardy scored half as many goals as he normally would his deterioration is not because he's uh, it's just because of his, his age you've got the irony is they have actually got cover in strength in the place so you've got players like Barnes and Madison almost being kind of that same attacking threat you've got Telemans you've got Didi you've got Albrighton even that these guys have stepped in and actually done brilliantly the problem you've got is replacing those 15 goals that Vardy got and also, um, like, where do you spend your money? I mean... Well, they've already replaced it with the Inacho. I mean, he's been he's been yeah, scoring this, all Vardy's this, goals. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. You still need a foil. And uh, yeah. Ian actual And to actually, by staying, maintaining top four, it feels like they've gone backwards. We're discussing their basic deterioration when actually, in fact, they've clung on in there. And if they do make it, it's because, you know, it'll be by the skin of their teeth, but it'll be through... It'll be through using their resources wisely. I just think, unfortunately for them, you would expect Perez to maybe come through uh, in a way that, I don't know. They just won't... I hope they don't go down the route of signing... Uh, you know, a Willian or uh, just a, like so, someone to plug the No, hot. they're too they good keep... at that, man. They're they too are, good at I know. for that. They're I know, too but smart. You, but you think, like, what if Zaha came up? Like, because they're a club that could potentially pay his wages. Yeah. And then you go, is that the right fit? And realistically, you know, uh, so they've got a few very different questions. Brendan Rodgers is very, very good at recruitment. I wouldn't be surprised you see like a Moussa Dembele, you know, after his time at Celtic, you could really see a player like that have a massive Edward. impact. Yeah, Edward come in and I'm uh, so I re- I still really like them. I think you look at the team around them. I think them and West Ham obviously um, have done very well this season. West Ham perhaps overachieving uh, less than belong there. But I mean, it just goes to show Chelsea's resources. The quality that they've had eventually comes through because you know the time to bed. You see players taking it in turns like Pulisic last week. Just untouchable watching the way that oh, he's they, developed. They've got. Yeah, it's 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 unfair, isn't it, to to, to, it is, to compare but, the two squads. Chelsea's squad's probably the probably the second best in 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 the country, if not Europe. I mean, the squad is so deep. Yeah. But I mean, Gareth, is there is there an issue here that in terms of squad depth, we've just seen it when Johnny Evans is out, and Johnny Evans is a good defender, no doubt about that. But they miss him so much that it makes me think that the the the, the gap between Johnny Evans and the next best thing it shouldn't be that wide. You know, if it was Van Dijk going out, then yeah, I understand that. But Johnny Evans, as good as he is, he, he's not that elite top-level centre-back, is he? So that that surely is a barometer of their squad depth, Gareth. Perhaps. I mean, I guess you're always looking at the makeup of the team. Yeah, he's the the organisational man and the leader, and he brings you know a vast amount of experience. And you know, uh, 
you know, Fafana is a great talent, but very young. Yeah, uh, really Soyuncu good. had a really good year last year and has been... He's know, fallen off the season been, now, hasn't he? Yes. But it's one of those things where I guess there aren't that many senior members in the team. You know, someone like Mark Albright and you assume is a, you know, a great player to have around, but he's no longer first choice. So, you know, maybe that's one of the things they look at and say, you know, when we lose Johnny Evans, who steps into that, that, that position, not, you know, on the yeah. field, but in terms of leadership. So it's, and I'm sure Grits can kind of talk about it, you know, those players who might not be the best player on the pitch, but are such a massive miss when they're not there for other reasons. I'd say, well, the thing about Evans, I'd say Evans is better than Maguire. He's just a bit older, unfortunately. I just think that's an interesting one. I genuinely think he's a better defender than than uh, Maguire at United. I just think that um, they're going to have to look to be creative. I mean, it's the one where you bring back Smalling or you bring back an experienced player that's gone somewhere else and done well yeah, and yeah. go, you know, throw something slightly different at it. It's such a difficult position to recruit in the Premier League because you're up against such good players. So, I mean, the one thing they do have is a great midfield. Um, and, I mean, they're the club that produced Kante, remember? You know, so the, these are the, they know what they're doing. I think that, I think they're one of the best run clubs in the country. I think, I think they are, you know, I'm a Derby County supporter, as you know. And when we talk about these, these big congrats, clubs, Man City, thank Sorry, you, thank congrats, you. by the way. I, we can't, we can't, I'd love to come on to that before the end if we can. Oh yeah, we can do. Um, Just a little, the, little bit, little bit. But I'm, I don't look at teams like Man City or Liverpool and feel like any sort of jealousy. I look at Leicester and I think, well, that's actually a that, that's a, a, a semi-realistic thing that clubs in the Championship can aspire to. They've gone up the right way. They've they've largely grown organically. I know they're, they've had a cash injection, but they've organically grown really. And just their recruitment is unbelievable. And I just feel like I feel like they are confident that if someone comes in and offers you know fifty million quid for Ndidi or for Barnes or for even for Fana now, let's say, they know they've got three yeah. people lined up already that can come in and do it. It looks like they're about to sign uh, Sumer, the French international from, I think, Lille. Lille or Lens, whichever one it is. But he, he's he's supposed to be very good, very highly rated. You just feel like, well, what really Chelsea and Man United and Liverpool should be doing is instead of signing Leicester players, just signing whoever it is Leicester are looking at to replace that player with, and just cut out, just cut out the middleman. They shouldn't do really. That's um, not recruitment. That's that's cock blocking. <laughs> I and I think it's worth noting. You, know, we're we're very quick to you know within the press and within fans to demonise foreign ownership and question their motives. But you know this is a situation where you know Leicester have been a foreign owned club for some time and. Like you said, you, you can't really have anything but positive ways about how they built the club and, and their approach. And obviously, you know, it's now been passed down, unfortunately, from father to son after the crash. And, you know, very in good hands. And it does feel like the club is cared for and, and the community is valued. You know, I think there was various instances around the title winner season where fans were given pies and pints. And I know it sounds like small things, but if you're a fan at a club and you're winning games and then you're given these extra things, it feels brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah, and so it's Great. either incredible PR or it's actual good-hearted, community-minded ownership. It's probably both, but I think they do deserve credit because we never focus on positive owners. No, that's a really good shout, and uh, yeah, incredibly jealous of uh, jealous of Leicester. Yes, Derby stayed up, grits, but uh, at what cost? I'm going to go through yes. court again. Oh. It's all kicking off. Who knows? Um, from one madly run club to another one, Gareth, your team Spurs. Um, that was really, really tough to watch at the weekend against Leeds. Now, no one, I don't think, believes Ryan Mason is is any sort of long-term answer. Are we any closer to finding out who might be taking over? Or what sort of direction do you see it going? 
Um, it doesn't seem so. I mean, you know, there are names say that the the the, the drum beat you seem to be hearing the loudest at the moment is uh, Graham Potter, uh, who's had a very good second half of the season. You know, he he ticks a lot of those boxes, and you know, the young uh, trainer who has developed his players and has, has made a, a good job with essentially offcuts. Yeah, let's not forget that Danny Welbeck was without a club going into the season. Watford released him. He somehow managed to keep him relatively fit, certainly for Welbeck. He, he's done fairly well with Lallana. Scored some important, job, uh, important goals. I mean, you could say that's blind luck. I mean, there's another season where Welbeck and Lallana play six games between them, Brighton are relegated and it's seen as a huge folly. But, you know, there's obviously something about, and maybe it's just managing them well. Maybe it's about, you know, Potter's influence and understanding how to keep these players on the pitch. But his CV looks really bright at the moment, especially when other names like uh, you know, like Nuno, like uh, Hasenhurtle, their, their stars have dimmed. So it may be one of the things that when the, you know, when the lottery balls stop spinning in the season, he's going to look like the most attractive candidate because Spurs, obviously, they blew whatever small Champions League chances they had on Saturday. Um, yes. So they're a less attractive proposition. There's oh no, Gareth! We, we, did you think? Did you think you were still going to do it on Saturday? I said, however, I know. Oh, sadly. Oh, I think. Oh, little Gareth. That's, oh, I'm, I'm actually now going to put the spin on it. In fact, <laughs> qualifying for the Champions League would have been the worst thing that would have ever happened <laughs> because it would have papered over so many cracks. I do think you know Levy needs get a, Jose back in. Exactly. I, I think, you know, to use another classic phrase, we need a root and branch investigation into <laughs> the way the club is structured and how things are run. Um, you know, it's interesting. You know, Levy essentially seemed to give up more power to Mourinho than any other manager he's worked with. And I wonder whether that's going to harden him even more this time to really keep control over the reins, especially in terms of player personnel transfers and so forth, and whether he's more attracted to the idea again of a straight-up coach, which I guess Potter, you know, qualifies as. Grits, I heard um, Darren Bent this morning on TalkSport talking about... Is he about a candidate how, as well? Uh, no, but the he did he did name a candidate that he'd like to see at Spurs, Scott Parker. Grits, is that mm. an insane shout? No, not at all. I don't, okay. it's, from, it's the same ballpark. Um, uh, it's the same it? ballpark as... Uh, well, in terms of a young coach coming through that's done well with what he's got, I think so. I think Potter's probably um, more... Uh, Inclined to wear a tracksuit and uh, rather than uh, a, a woolly cardigan, um, but I still think that um, that Scott Park has done done well with what he had. It'd be interesting to see what he had with some proper resources, you know. And he's, uh, I don't know, Gareth. Gareth just keeps. Putting Gareth doesn't seem happy with up. this. No, Gareth, go on. What's uh, uh, what's the problem just, with this? The problem is, is that Scott Parker was almost fired the year that he got he took Fulham up. He seems to take Fulham up by accident. And as much as we praised him for his sort of seven or eight game run where he seemed to galvanize the team, you know, what he's done in the last eight matches is essentially plunged them into the uh, the abyss with, with, with great speed and you know, utter fecklessness. I, I don't think he's a good manager. It did, did did you go to school with him? Did he shake your girlfriend? Just he, let us let just say just say it now and then because Declan yes no, declare, declare the interest. All I'm saying is if you've ever had Scott Parker slip into your DMs, you would be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a strong no then from Gareth as it was in the DMs. Um, oh well. 
no thank no thank you scott parker uh let's have a little break and then we'll come back we'll talk about united's ridiculous schedule um and some other good stuff see you in a minute If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to the Whistleblowers Podcast. Um... I want to talk about Manchester United. We touched upon them earlier, Grits. Uh, they've got a ridiculous schedule. They've played be Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Uh, when these sorts of things happen and we hear people talk about um, footballers being overstretched, we also always get the opposite argument, which is normally just idiots saying, well, if I was paid that sort of money, I'd play every day. <laughs> now... Obviously, that's just nonsensical because it's elite sport, and it wouldn't be elite sport if they were doing that. But what do you think about this? Do you, as an ex-pro, how many games were you personally able to play in a week before it absolutely started ruining you? Well, this—that's funny. I do love those what comes the the, the fans that come out with, um, oh, they, they, have you seen how much they get paid? I mean, they should be able to play. Well, maybe not every day, but it's like this every other day. It's always at Christmas, isn't it? It's always at Christmas. Yeah, they go, yeah. oh, well, so what? Is it a privileged position with football? I don't like it. It's like, yeah, they do. They hate yeah, it. It's up, horrible. Shut up, sweet times, sweet, That's why if you don't get pine bookings by Christmas, you're a moron. Get that, <laughs> just get that little suspension in. Um, I, <laughs> a Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Can like, you still get a fine by the FA? Uh, retrospective yeah I probably still owe them some money to be honest um, <laughs> certainly uh, Saturday, Tuesday Saturday, Tuesday is an absolute cracker because even if managers no no it's Saturday, in, Tuesday Thursday, Sunday yeah what I'm saying oh but your one sorry this yeah. season this season right. Saturday, Tuesday it means that managers can't run the legs off it's like oh we've got a week off this week double training Tuesday double training Thursday it's like now it's like we'll do a late bit I mean if you're in the reds you're just still getting absolutely ragged but um, I, I have I did find it quite funny uh, they've just been able to just about drag their carcasses onto the pitch for the last six weeks of the season for some of these teams. It must be brutal. And um, it is far too much because the intensity that you need. Imagine Moyes made some really interesting comments. Moyes uh, questioned the integrity. I mean, I find it just hilarious when anyone says this in the Premier League, talk about integrity. But it questioned the integrity of the Premier League for saying that, oh, well, Man United are playing against our fourth position opponents. He's absolutely right. I don't know when he expected them to reschedule those games, though, but it's, it's almost impossible to find a gap. But he's right, because Man United have gone up against Leicester tonight with the kids. And, you know, and that's, yeah. a, that's a run, that's a roll And, and, they, have, and they have to do it. It's not United's fault. And well, it, but it's also I, not West Ham's fault. But it's a very Why are they getting mug, punished? But this is a very muggy team. From This is Solskjaer making a point about it as well, isn't it? It's a very, it's like... Well, let's have a know, look at it. Because I appreciate that by the time anyone listening to this hears it, it's been and gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it is still... Let's, let's have a look at the team United have picked. Uh, 
So we know that um, De Gea is in goal. All right, fine. Right back, Brandon Williams, Eric Bailly, Tuan Zabi, Tellis. Yeah, that's a second string, isn't it? Mick and the Bates getting on the bloody pitch. All right, Matic. Brian McClare. So, really, so Greenwood's starting. So Greenwood, De Gea, Matic. That's it. Tellis. I mean, he should be able to play a little bit considering the amount they paid for him. I mean, the, the guys yeah. can still go out and do a job. It's just the fact that they haven't played together. There's no consistency. And also it's match it, fitness, it's, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it's But you get these one-off anomalies where... You know, you can go out and produce a performance. And that's the one thing Leicester will hate, the fact that this United team literally have been given the freedom to not, it doesn't matter. Because Solskjaer has basically said, I don't care what happens. So that means this United team probably will win and it will be hilarious. Is it it also, Gareth, a little bit of a a, a finger stuck up at Liverpool knowing that they're playing a weakened team against Leicester, which means they can play a stronger team against Liverpool, both of which would hamper Liverpool's top four chances? A little bit. I mean, I do think there is a catch-22. So if United lose tonight, then uh, City are champions. If they win tonight, then they're aiding, in theory, Liverpool's Champions League charge. Um, So I'm not entirely sure which... Actually, I say that. I think most Man United fans would rather Liverpool not qualify for the Champions League than... You know, Man United hand City a title which they're going to win anyway. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, who cares? Agreed. Oh, I mean, Manchester United fans care. I, I think their enmity for Liverpool is still greater than it is for City. And because I think they feel they can actually influence Liverpool season a lot more than they can do with City. But, you know, it's, yeah, whatever they do, they're not going to look great tonight. No. No, I mean, I love watching the young players play whatever club it is. It's always exciting, but it must be, you know, if if you if Spurs were still in the mix for this, you'd be on the forums afterwards, Gareth, saying we got to we got to sue the league. This is ridiculous. On, on, I mean, there was a thing a few years ago, wasn't there, about about teams playing second string? Yeah, who was that? Um, was that Warnock? I Probably. Th- yeah, I think so. It's uh, always nice. Warnock. Um, I mean, if we're talking about sort of, you know, bitter wins and defeats, I, I, I do think the game you mentioned, the last game of the season, Leicester versus Spurs, there's enough players left at Spurs who remember, you know, what it was like to, you know, draw Chelsea, lose the title to Leicester, who might mm-hmm. turn up there on the last day and really fancy, you know, in their eyes, putting one back over on Leicester by beating them on the last day and, and, you know, keep them out of the top four. So I think that's going to be quite tasty. It just depends whether our current uh, intern, and he's literally an intern because he's 12, uh, will have a, will put out a good enough team to do so. But that's probably looking uh, forward to too much. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, so I mentioned at the very top of the show that all the business at the bottom of the table is done. All three teams relegated. Sheffield United have gone. West Brom have gone. And as of last night, Fulham have gone. Uh, which of those three grits uh, are going to, first of all, keep the manager? And secondly, going to come straight back up again? Oh, good question. I mean, Fulham are definitely going to keep their manager. Um, I think well, unless it's uh, Spurs. Well, yeah, but they will, they'll try and keep their manager. Uh, Sheffield United could do a lot worse than Heckenbottom. He knows what he's definitely. doing in the championship. Well, Barnsley has an axe to grind, obviously, with, with getting in and out at Leeds, not, not really being able to pull it off. West Brom are horrible to play in the championship because um, have you ever been to the Hawthorns? It yes. is not, it's freezing cold for most <laughs> of the year. It's like a Game of Thrones venue. It's like you go there, it's freezing cold. They always have a massive, horrible team to play. And now they've got a few handy players and they've, they've been able to make sound. I feel terribly sorry for Billich. I wish, I wish we'd got him as Celtic manager. I just think he's. 
he was so hard done by with the players he brought in. I know we yeah. spoke about it at the time. And I agree. Big Sam just now looks like you know give, you've given it to the bloke in the pub that said he could do the job, and you know. Oh, great! I, so we're not in this argument again. Big Sam is a good man, a good man, he's a, a good kind man, man and a he's good a kind manager. Man. <laughs> and and they'll leave it there. <laughs> uh, Gareth, um, so let's assume Fulham keep their boss. Let's assume West Brom do the same. Let's assume Sheffield United do the same. Who's coming up straight away? Because um, it's I not fair. At the minute, the Championship isn't that fair, is it? Because you've got a whole division of, of teams that have had no income. You tell uh, us, Mark. Got... It's your league. It's you oh, tell it's us. You, it's an absolute want I want to hear about it. You but the, the teams coming it. down, the teams coming down are going to get the parachute payments, which in a season where there's been no money at all going around in the championship is such a huge advantage. It's an advantage anyway in most seasons, but particularly at the moment. And also when you add to the, that, the fact that no one else has got any money, so no one's going to come in necessarily and, and nick all your best players when you've been relegated. You might lose one or two, but you don't have that thing where you lose half the team like you used to, you know, for those that have performed particularly well. You look at West Brom, there's three or four players that ordinarily would be picked off. Same for Fulham, you know, one or two for Sheffield United, maybe Sander Burge, but maybe that's about it. But it's just not going to happen this time, as it didn't happen last season. And that's why you saw Norwich just completely run away with it, with a side that was far too good for the division. Well, I mean, so, what do you think, Gareth? Well, you've taken away all my points there. Brilliant. Um, so, thanks. Brilliant. But, I, you know, obviously, up. you look at Norwich and Max Ahrens, Buendia and Puki were obviously all key contributors. And, well. and they did very well to keep them. So, I guess, you know, the question is who keeps their team together you know, players like Amandola Lookman, I do think might not be at Fulham next year. Um, and, you know, he'll be key one. I think if you put all three teams as they are right now in, in the, the championship, I think West Brom might be the ones. They seem to have a really good blend of, you know, talented players like Matches Pereira and then some more sort of solid Sam Allardyce types. You know, the players he wanted to bring in to keep them up will probably be the players that take them up because they're well-suited for the championship. I do wonder a little bit about some of the Fulham players. They seem a little uh, light of touch. Um, you know, maybe not the barnstorming bastards that you need to get yeah. you for a wet Tuesday night in Morecambe. Are they I think they're, in the championship? No. I think uh, they're going to go up. They, they could go up next year. They're in the playoffs, particularly. Yeah, doing all right in League yeah. One. Um, uh well, that's the thing, though. That that Fulham team—they're very fair. I mean, they're the most Fulhamy team ever. Fair weather, very fair weather. When they were when they were going all guns blazing, um, I do think. Well, you look at Big Sam. I mean, Andy Carroll's available. I would imagine he's going to be going to the Hawthorns at a cut down price uh, with several other it's a knockout style players. Um, <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't know. You're absolutely right, Mark. I look at the you look at the championship and it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. <laughs> it's always a mess. And it's why it's such a horrible division. It's so it's, it's it's incredibly entertaining. If you've not got a team in there, it's brilliant. If you have, it is just it's a complete mess and it is a relentless, non-stop mess. It's horrible. I hate it. I watch a lot of League One through this doing some commentary. And League yeah. One, when you see good players, you go, Oh wow, they're much better than this level. And it's really nice to see. Sometimes you'll see like um uh, the the boys up front for Peterborough at the minute that are just unstoppable. The, uh, there's two of them, uh, but De- little Dembele just ripping Plymouth uh, apart. And Calvin, I keep calling him Calvin Harris, but that's his name. Um, he's got double barrels turning. He's unbelievable for Peterborough. You've got, you've got Sunderland. You've got teams like that. You got yeah, um, yeah. Dar- Darby will probably be coming down next year. You've got that's all these, but basically. 
you don't get that. Well, all they do is they pan pit these players in the championship. Go oh, because now the the wage cap will take them from. I don't think you can pay a player more than five grand a week if you're lucky in the champ in the league one now. So they'll double the wages. They'll just sit there and they'll just there'll be all these young players playing for teams in the championship without. I don't know if it's there's a lot of clubs. That, there's a lot of clubs there that have managed to just kind of being relatively consistent and be there or thereabouts, haven't they? And and I think the shit run clubs just fall foul, which unfortunately, you know, well, we, we, you know, the, you know too well yourself. Those two examples are sort of cover Derby County. I mean, we have been there or thereabouts for the last six or seven years. And now we've come out the other end, having not gone up, having gambled everything to try and go up. And now we're sort of, um, I mean, I, I would I would argue, I know we weren't talking about Derby County necessarily, but I would argue that we may be the one of the worst run clubs in the country. I mean, it's just every day we just lurch from humiliation to humiliation and it's, it just doesn't end. And it's, it's, all, it's all because, it's all because the, 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 the lure of the Premier League is such that chairman or people with money, owners, whatever, will just gamble it. Just gamble the future of the club on going up. Because the, the the rewards are huge. The rewards are huge. And you can have a Leicester on your hands, right? All of a sudden, five years down the line, Derby could, in theory, be trying to get in the Champions League, trying to sign this player, that player. But if it doesn't work, which it often doesn't, and, you know, nine times out of 100, 99 times out of 100 it doesn't work, you get in this sort of situation. And we've seen that there's there's no club that is too big to 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 get financial penalties or to be relegated or to, to go out of business. So, you know, one thing oh. we learned from the European Super League was it's just, I just want to have a club that you can be proud of. It's not going to be Champions League. It doesn't matter from Champions League or Conference. I'll still be a Derby County supporter. So let's just get everything in order and have a club that we can be proud of and we can enjoy watching. But I fear that's not going to happen for a while. Nah, it's not going to happen. But yeah, it's a lovely sentiment, Mark. Um, Johnson Clark Harris is who I was talking about. Watching for Peter next year. He's an absolute... He's an absolute player. But anyway, sorry. And Gareth, I feel like uh, either you've frozen or you're just bored of listening to this. So apologies. Um, have you, do, you, do you follow much championship football? Uh, some seasons, not this season, I have to admit. My, I think the the number of Premier League games you can now watch on the weekend with yeah. the tag at times means that I have filled all my bandwidth, as they like to say these days, with, with Premier League football. So yet, been, yet again, the big clubs ruining everything. Yep. Oh, uh, not good. Anyway, wh- where are we? I mean, Champions League final, should we have a look? I mean, that's pretty sweet, isn't it? Is that a good thing? We're yeah, moving not, to Wembley? It's not for a little while, though. It's well, not for a little while, to, It's moving to Wembley. Up. We have the FA Cup to do first. Just saying that Okay, then, use... yeah. So that's, well, here's another example, isn't it? A perfect... Thank you, Grits. Another example of um, the elite teams essentially shitting on the lower leagues and, and the, the, the leagues below the Premier League. Because you've got an example here of... Not even three weeks after the ESL attempted breakaway, they're talking about moving the championship playoff final, the biggest game in the the football league's calendar, to make way for the Champions League. Now these teams didn't even want to be part of the Champions League six weeks ago, three weeks ago, and now you're going to move the biggest game in the league to accommodate them. It's just like it, it is a constant stream of shit all yeah, but over the, the EFL. But the championship—that's the beauty of those playoff matches. They don't—they ma- don't matter in terms of when they are because everyone's at the same advantage. It's not like teams are planning for that playoff final. They've got to get through the rounds, so you can essentially put five days later, three days later. I know, but they're not going to because they—they want—they want to move. They want to move it to a different stadium. Yeah, I know. They want to keep it on the Saturday, Sunday, Monday, right? 
Yeah, but I'm just, what I'm just saying is, wouldn't you think the best decision that you ever made was by moving the Champions League final to England, but two English teams in it? That's the most rational thing. When we're seeing, yeah, ab- absolutely, but don't, yeah. but don't move the playoff final for it. Get get your own date. <laughs> so I, I, I genuinely think that. All right, mate. Well, Let's get it back to the midweek as well. I like the midweek we'll Champions League finals. We'll put it. We'll put. We'll put it on at London Stadium for you, mate. Same day. We'll see how many oh, people thank watch. You. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can come. Yeah, you can no, come I, along. I, I, yeah. I would enjoy that. Um, let's finish off. Um, we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, I want to ask you who would be in the running for you as your manager of the season, and I'm going to throw a name out there um, as my choice, and you're not going to agree with it, but that's okay. I think Sean Dyche has done an unbelievable job with Burnley. Given the budget he's got there, uh, given the, the you know, ob- obviously COVID's affected everybody, but a, a club of that size in comparison to the bigger clubs with not so much going on in terms of, you know, advertising or whatever, he's done an unbelievable job. He's saved his club again from relegation and played some pretty good stuff while he's doing it. There's a lot of talk about him moving to Palace. Um, and I think you might see that if that does happen, he's the reason we Burnley have been sticking together for all these years. Um, Grits... I assume you don't agree with that as manager of the year, but can you appreciate where I'm coming from? I admire it because you could say same about Steve. You could say Steve Bruce, who's finished on the same points in the absolute shit show that has been Newcastle in terms of off the pitch. I, and please I tell me you're not going to suggest Steve Bruce as manager of the year. No, I'm just saying that you know on parity with Dice in the league, you just look at managing to stay up in the position he's in. He's got the same points as him. Dice has done incredibly well. You're absolutely right. The resources he's got. I, I mean, the fact that he's steamrolled Fulham, it just showed you how far Fulham are away from being a team yeah, that yeah. have the ability to stay in. Um, I totally agree. I would, I mean, my curveballs are the old favourite of, I mean, Bielsa with what he's done, he's at 50 points behind what well, West Ham are on 58. And I would say Moyes has had the season of all seasons. I'd give it at Moyes because I'm biased this year, but um, yeah. certainly overachieving. But look how close, you know, Leeds are just behind Arsenal. They're above Villa. That, you it's know, unbelievable. Bielsa, their resources are scant and they they they, they Beating some of the best teams this, and they've they've, they've and had it's the same results, team that it's the same, it. it's the same team from the championship, pretty much, and, save for a couple. And when they lose, they come out and say, "Yeah, it didn't work today. Uh, we tried this, but they don't come out and make excuses. They just they try and find a different way to beat teams every week." And I absolutely loved watching them. Gareth, who's your pick? We've got Daesh, we've got Bielsa. It's not going to be Jose, is it? Uh, oh, I was really thinking about it's. If you're going to choose between, uh, you know, maybe the two obvious ones in Tuchel and Pep, you probably have to wait another few weeks to see how the season plays out. If is Tuchel had a big enough sample size though? If Chelsea win the Champions League, then yeah. If they win Correct. the FA Cup, then yes. Um, I and okay. this is you know, like you said, you, you affix certain sort of uh, different tiers of, of achievement to different managers. And if Pep Guardiola doesn't win the Champions League, then I think, yeah, you at this point you say that's a lost opportunity and maybe he doesn't win it. Um, and again, if Tuchel does, you go, well, imagine coming in, putting Chelsea in the top four, winning a couple of trophies. It doesn't matter if you've only been there for four months. It's a stunning achievement. But I do think the two that you have highlighted are, you know, incredibly worthy shouts. And, and you know, another one is, in terms of the ongoing quality is also, it's, you know, not manager of the year, but worth noting that Roy Hodgson has once again in his 70 something year done an yeah. incredible job. And I think similar to your comments about, you know, if, if Dyche leaves Burnley, I think 
when Hodgson leaves Chelsea, Chris uh, Pass at the end of the season, which looks very likely, they're going to have to go some just to bring someone who can keep. Well, it might be Dyche. If they bring in Dyche, so it might be my dis- my, my choice. Um, or, but anyone else, you know, they're not a club that can bring in Frank de Boer, as they have now found out to great <laughs> uh, detriment. You know, they need those managers. They've always done better when it has been Warnock or um, Hodgson yeah. or or Allardyce, and you know, I, if they stick to that template, they'll be okay. But yeah, following up Hodgson, who is now somehow underrated or undervalued, given how much he was besmirched as England manager, is he's done a great job. Great shouts. What right. good shouts from good lads. Um, I think we'll end the show there this week. Thank you very much for joining me, lads. Grits, cheers, boy. Gareth, yeah, thanks, man. On. We'll thanks, be back Mark. same time. In fact, we don't know if it's same time, same place. Do we? At some point next week, we'll be back with another episode of... Oh, you dropped your camera there, Grits. Sorry. We'll be back with a, another episode of the Whistleblowers podcast uh, in which we'll probably talk about Leicester losing to United and Grits having egg all over his face. His balls. Uh, okay. Right. Good stuff. Oh, See you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks, Mark. Love you. (laughs) This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.